welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today I have my special guest, Astra Nagel, and we're going to talk about yoga. We're going to talk about movement and how does that all relate to ADHD? And the whole thing about, you know, we hear the exercise is good for you. If anything, if you don't do anything to manage your brain, at least do exercise. And let me just tell you personally, whenever I hear that word after having my little girl at 40, me and exercise don't get along that much anymore. I, we used to, but now exercise is just this like triggering word for me. And before recording, I'm telling that to Esther. So yoga, on the other hand, it, 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 I, I gravitate towards it. I like it. It just, it helps me. It, it soothes my soul, if you will. So when I reached out and said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a guest and, and Esther talked about yoga and I'm like, oh, I need to bring her on. So here we are. We're going to talk about yoga and ADHD. So welcome, Esther. Hi, Kathy. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. So let's get into it. Let's, let's go back into the vault of time machine and let's talk about when you found out about your ADHD, first of all. Well, I, I mean, look, looking back at my life, it's been glaringly obvious. I think I've had a big neon sign above my head saying this person has ADHD from the moment I was born. But it, it was only actually something I worked out when I was about 45. So I'm 47 now. And I think I would, must have been, it must have been when I was 45. And my son, who would have been eight at the time, he was... He, he was sort of displaying some, some unusual traits, very lacking in social skills and very shy, very uncomfortable around other children, very fidgety, very could not, he could not sit still. He still can't. He's still, whatever we, whenever we're together, he's always doing something. He's always got this fidget about him. And I didn't know what it might have been, but I knew that fidgeting was a trait of ADHD so that was the first place I looked and so I went to you know, Google and I looked up symptoms of ADHD and while I was reading through this list of all the different traits of ADHD I didn't see my son I saw myself really it was as if somebody had watched me in action for a week and then written down a list of all the things I do it was so, so painfully obvious that, that I fitted into that diagnostic criteria that I just couldn't quite understand how nobody had worked it out before. So I went to see my doctor and I said, I think I, I, I looked into it quite a lot before I went to the doctor. And then I went and I said, I think I've got ADHD. And I explained how I am now and how I've always been that, you know, these these ways of being have been my defining characteristics since I, as long as I can remember. And so he said, yeah, it sounds like you've got ADHD, but he told me that they don't think there's any point you getting diagnosed. Mm. Um, and medication doesn't work. There's nothing that there's nothing. You just, you know, you're a yoga teacher, manage it with yoga. So I thought, okay, you know, I can do that. I, I, I read up, there were lots of things you can do, natural, you know, ways to deal with it that didn't involve medication. And then about six months after that, maybe I had, I was, I'd, I'd been dating a guy for only for two months and it wasn't a great relationship, 
but it was the first time I'd been with a man since I'd stopped drinking six no it wasn't six years in 2014 I stopped drinking and so there was the first time that I actually had to deal with those emotions mm-hmm. you know stuff that was coming up because I've got a history of, of a long history of, of alcohol issues and so I'd always process those emotions with you know basically by drowning them under a lot of wine and I had to actually deal with those emotions and I had no idea what to do with those emotions I was I felt like I was having my second nervous breakdown I really felt like I was in free fall and so I went back to the doctor and I said, I need to get diagnosed because my ADHD by that point was absolutely off the charts. I, I couldn't function. I couldn't even sort of decide I was going to make myself a cup of coffee and get to the kitchen and make the cup of coffee without getting distracted. I was wow. absolutely all over the place. And so I went to the doctor, said, Look, I, I don't know what's going on with me. I think I need the diagnosis. And I need to try whatever treatment can be given to me. So I went and I got diagnosed. And contrary to what my doctor thought was going to happen, I've been given medication and it has helped. So first sort of thing is, you know, don't always accept what your doctor tells you. Yes. Because we have, you know, I don't know what it's like where you are, but we have general practitioners who are just general. They don't know ADHD. And not everyone, not, not, not a lot of them have an awful lot of experience of women in their 40s with ADHD. So I'm really glad that I was able to sort of stand up and say, no, actually, you know, I do need this and I need you to speak to somebody else. So, yeah. So it was a year last week. It was a year last week since I actually got the formal diagnosis. And the diagnosis process itself was hilarious because I think within about the first five minutes we both knew that the answer was going to be very emphatically, yes, you definitely have ADHD because I was answering the questions. Mm-hmm. So ADHD-ish, it was almost comical. <laughs> mm-hmm. So where does fabulous story, because there, there's that common theme around not all doctors know everything and bless their hearts, you know, they have the best of intentions, but then sometimes when we really trust our own self and our own intuition and be our own self-advocate of saying, no, I know what's good for me at this point. I mean, good on you for, you know, the, the sobriety since 2014. And, and obviously yoga probably comes into that, which we'll get into, right? But also going back and saying, no, I know myself and I know I've dealt with some heavy stuff, but then this one is one where I just... I want that extra, whatever it is. So good for you for doing that. So tell me about, so the other piece that that comes through for me is this theme around some of us that have this natural resiliency in us to push through challenges and come up with our own tools and our own set of skills of managing it. So in your case, talk to us about yoga and coming off of addiction and all of that. And then also it, it does help manage your brain too. So how did that fit in there? So yoga is something that I, I, I started going to yoga classes about 13 years ago, I think. And 
I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I'm not very, I'm not a sporty person. I've never been into competitive sports or anything, but I loved yoga. And it was like, I, I, I had, I had a long-standing alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize this at the time. But when I was on my, in my class, or in my yoga class, that was the one time of the week that I felt any kind of sort of comfortable, uh, comfort, a level of comfort within myself. And I, I really, I really enjoyed the yoga and I knew that one day I'd want to teach it. And I tried for a couple of years to find a yoga teacher training that I could do, but single mom and money and time was always an issue. And then in 2013, I I had a, a pretty much complete breakdown. I had lots of family issues going on, lots of issues between me and my son's father. We were going through a very, very nasty, very prolonged breakup uh, with custody issues and mm-hmm. all sorts. And it was... And my mum was ill, my brother was ill. It was just lots of stuff going on and stuff in work as well. And it, it was just kind of like everything pressing down on me. And eventually I just fell apart and I gave up my job. And because the only thing I could do was give up my full-time job. I couldn't let go of all the other stuff, but I could give up my job. So I gave up my job and sort of realised I needed to find something else to do work-wise and so I thought right now is the time to train as a yoga teacher because that would keep me calm and it would mean I wouldn't be sitting at my desk all day and and all this I mean the reality of trying to be a yoga teacher is very different because you have to spend a lot of time at your desk anyway but it was it, it, it was a it felt like a really good idea and it turned out to be the best thing I could have possibly done because it actually saved my life I haven't you know, I haven't made as much money as a yoga teacher as I'd hoped I was going to, but it saved my life. It's the reason I'm still alive. Because in that yoga teacher training, I, I thought I was going to teach people, I was going to learn how to teach people how to get into postures. What I actually learned was who I am. And I learned how to breathe properly. And that was a total game changer. Because when I was able to breathe properly, I was able to control of my emotions and relax and sleep which was a a, a novel concept to be able to actually sleep without drinking a bottle of wine beforehand and I was able to make peace with a lot I carried a lot of pain and a lot of issues that I dragged around with me many of which of course have their roots in the undiagnosed ADHD And through the work that I did in my yoga teacher training, that was exactly how I got sober. I I didn't go to any 12-step program. I didn't go into treatment. I practiced yoga. I did the self-study. I breathed. I did all, because yoga is much more than what you do on a mat. There's, you know, there's the physical postures, but that's just one tiny bit of yoga. And all I knew up until the time when I went into my teacher training was the postures. But when I learned how to breathe and and all the other stuff, the self-study, the compassion and self-forgiveness and understanding myself, it changed everything for me. And I emerged from that one-year course six months sober. And I've been sober ever since. And 
you know, I didn't have, you talk about resilience, you know, I didn't have resilience up until that point. I had wine and cigarettes and marijuana and that was it. That was my strategies. And then through my yoga teacher training, I developed these, I, I, I learned these other coping strategies that actually allowed me to calm my emotions down and not react quite so impulsively to everything. So, I mean, I was actually learning to control the ADHD without even realizing that I have ADHD. And I got to a point where I just thought, I mean, I, I woke up, I had this most horrible hangover one day and it was like one of those, I just want to die kind of yeah. hangovers. And I just, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself anymore. You know, I've got these other tools. I don't need the drink and I don't need the cigarettes anymore. So I stopped. And, and those are the same tools that I use now to, to keep myself balanced. I mean, this year has been the ultimate test of it. You know, I've still, I'm still sober. <laughs> I'm still breathing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that because you're touching on a few things that are truly a common theme across 80 years, you know, sleep issues, the whole, the constant go, go, go to the point that you know, we don't slow down to breathe. We really mm -hmm. don't. It's like this shallow breath that we've got going on because we're so addicted to, I think, that rush, that adrenaline, that some of yeah. us that are very fast going, we just constantly, you know, that's our normal. We don't know any yeah. different, right? So, and, and that's what I love about yoga is like it really forces you to pause and be thoughtful mm -hmm. and be mindful of things. So, and one of the things in my coaching practice is all about, you know, that power of pause, but then I love how you incorporate it with yoga. Cause then it just kind of, you're learning to make it second nature in a way. And, and also yeah. it's a skill that you're learning. So it's not like you're stuck with it. These are some of the skills that had we known earlier, maybe, you know, or, so you can really retrain your brain. So I, I appreciate mm -hmm. those comments. So how does that, here's the thing for me though, as, as the audience is listening, so do they need to go to a coach, you know, a yoga training school to learn it all? How are you able to incorporate all of what you're learning into your students, for example, and what you're doing now? So even just... I mean, you, you know, I, I gained an awful lot from my teacher training that you, you wouldn't get if you didn't go that deep into it. You know, I did, sure. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily recover from an addiction through going to a yoga class once sure. a week. But what you, you know, just even simple things like becoming more aware of your breath, becoming more aware of your posture, just stopping to think and ch to, just checking in with your body from time to time. Because, you know, our body holds all our stress. So, you know, I, I notice in my shoulders a lot, you know, I can tell if I'm feeling stressed because even before my mind recognizes it, I can feel it in my shoulders. And now days I'm aware of that and I notice when it's happening, whereas before I wouldn't be aware of it until I was actually in a lot of pain and very stressed. So through doing any kind of practice, whether it, you know, if it's just a, a once a week yoga class or if you're doing some breath work so you're learning to breathe it begins to connect you to your body and this is where you know we've got the, the mind body connection is real it's not just you know the domain of the hippies yeah it is very real and so because we spend so much time up in our heads 
any time that we can come down out of our heads and, and connect to the body, whether that's through postures or through the breath, or preferably you're doing both at the same time, you're, you're slowing your breath, you're aware of your breath while you're in the postures. And it just connects you to what's going on in your body. And the more you can make that a practice, so if you do five minutes of, of focusing on your breath every day, or five minutes of a couple of postures, just to tune into your body, the more you can make that a practice, the more you become aware of what's going on and the more you can spot the signs of your, that your body is saying, you know, either you're in a really uncomfortable position or you need to rest, please don't slow down, mm -hmm. please clench your shoulders. <laughs> you know, the more you do it, the more you, the more you know what your body is saying. So well, I, what I can do, I mean, I teach, general yoga classes where I don't do different things every week. So I've just finished doing a block of 10 classes online. And most of what we do in each class is the same. So your body is starting to know what's happening. You're getting the benefits from the repetition of that practice. Mm. The students come to know it. So if they want to do anything, if, if you know, in the middle of the week, they're feeling like, oh, my back's stiff, my shoulders are stiff. They know those practices so they can do some of them in their own time. They don't have to just wait for the class. They, they have those resources. And what I really love to do is teach people to breathe because that is such a, it's such a powerful thing that if you can learn how to become aware of your breath, and that can just be, you know, when you're, I always like to talk about when you're stuck in traffic. If you're stuck in traffic, you, you're stuck in traffic and you can either be irritated about it or you can just accept that you're there. And so if you slow your breath down when you're stuck in that traffic, you know, the, the traffic isn't going to go any faster for you because you're annoyed. So you may as well find a way to relax and enjoy it. And anytime you can bring your awareness to your breath, what often happens or what mostly seems to happen when I talk about this is people start to recognize and notice that their breath naturally slows down. Mm -hmm. So if you practice of becoming aware of your breath and just, you know, if you've got a, a like I've got a Fitbit, a smartwatch, you can set a timers on your watch just to check in and see what your breath is doing. And you will start to notice the correlation between your emotional state and your breath and your physical state and if you start to slow your breath down in that moment you might notice your shoulders relax a little you might notice that your mind feels a bit calmer your face may you know maybe your forehead is tensed up so you might find that you physically relax a bit more and so just helping people to implement these small habits you know, you don't have to spend an hour a day meditating to get yes. the best. What people really, well, what is, what can be the biggest struggle is finding those two minutes to do it. And if you can do, if you can find two minutes to do it, you're going to see the benefit of that. So what I love to do is to help people to learn how to breathe and how, how to breathe properly. Cause we don't, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, our, our, habit over the year is over the years is we get worse and worse at breathing we breathe much more shallow than we need to and so just teaching people how to breathe fully into their lungs to feel that benefit to feel that slowing down because if you take in a deep breath it's going to force you to slow down 
And that is really helpful for us people with ADHD. Just, you know, taking that slow breath can be so restorative and just give the brain a chance to just relax a little. Yeah. And it also, Um, I think it's one of the things I love about the breath work is it interrupts that noise in our head, the, the, the mm. judgment, the whatever, because now you're, you're taking your attention away from what it is you're trying to deal with and to just, yeah. let me just distract you. It's almost like you're tricking your brain and, and it mm. is what it is and you're just focusing on something else. And I always say to, to, to everyone that when we're focusing too much on the problem, it just gets amplified even more and your brain goes into even more stress where yeah. when you're doing this breath work, then it's, you're interrupting it. It's a pattern interrupt. You're thinking of something else and it's just, yeah. and it's the easiest, quickest thing to have access to, which is great. It is. Yeah. yeah. Someone once told me, cause I was like, I need to get back into shape. I need to be fit. And there's this, I believe in the person's energy and the kind of energy that they have. And I'm kind of fiery, it, like emotionally, I'm fiery. I'm cognitively very like hyper. And they're like, no, you should not be going to the gym and doing weights. You need to do the opposite because your, your energy is already very fiery. You need to be doing calming things. You need to be going for walks. And the minute they said that to me, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And maybe that's why I resist going to the gym because I don't need to be pumping iron, like going back and forth, you know, I, the flow, the breath, the yoga, the, the, and there's different types of yoga as, as you, you know, I'm sure you're the expert here, yeah. but it's the ones that where I'm really concentrating on my breath, where I'm really mm. just being there and stretching, like a lot of stretching works for me because I've yeah. got so much tension going on. So mm. if, if, if someone was to go into this yoga stuff, what, what do you say to them about what what should they do first? Because let's not forget that when we want to do something as ADDers, it always has to be the perfect step. So we'll go buy a whole bunch of gears and the mat, and you know, we go all out before we even start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't have the right mat, we don't have the right clothes. What do, what would you say to that? Well, I I am definitely not one who does the right clothes. I turn up to my classes wearing a pair of stretchy, I don't know, they probably would class as yoga trousers, yoga pants, and whatever t-shirt happens to be on my body at the time. (laughs) Or, you know, I just work, so I don't do yoga clothes really. So you can wear anything. I mean, don't let clothes stop you because... You, as long as you can stretch and be comfortable in what you're wearing, then it's fine. You don't need you don't need the, the expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. You just and you need a pair of leggings, something that you can just stretch and bend comfortably in. With regards to finding, so one of the things that I encounter with people a lot is that people will have tried yoga once mm-hmm. and they did that class, and so they think I don't like yoga. Or, and, you know, I, my, my mother did. My mother came to a class with me once and she refuses to, to even try yoga with me. And I, I said to her, you know, if you went to a restaurant and you didn't like the food, you wouldn't say, I don't like restaurants. You'd say, I don't like that restaurant. Or maybe I don't like that type of food. You wouldn't right disregard yeah. restaurants. And it's the same with yoga because 
there are lots of different styles of yoga, but even within each individual style, every single teacher is different. Mm-hmm. So people who I trained with, who will be a better fit for some people and I will be a better fit for other people because the teacher brings their own, their own self. You know, I am very much a very particular type of teacher. I've got ADHD, so I rock up with jokes and silliness and you know we have a lot of laughs whereas other teachers will take it a lot more seriously and be very very quiet and calm that doesn't really work so if you're trying to go to you know if you go to it if you've got the option to try lots of different teachers then then don't just go to the first one and think that's it Mm -hmm. because there is so many different types of yoga out there that you it took me I've been going to yoga for seven years and it took me until I found my teacher who taught me to teach. And I'd never been to her classes before. I didn't know her at all. But that was a different style that I had never encountered before. And now it's the only one I'll do because now it, it, it just changed my life so much that I just think that this is what works for me. So I stick to it. Mm-hmm. Seven years to find that teacher. And to find that tradition, that style of yoga. So don't give up. There is a style of yoga out there that will suit you. I'm convinced that there is a type of yoga out there that works for everyone. But going back to what you were saying about needing the slowness, I think that this is part of what worked for me with with the tradition that I trained in. Because there's that focus on the breath. There's that focus Mm -hmm. on slowness. There's a lot of focus on rest. And I think that was exactly what I needed mm-hmm. as well. The ADHD and my emotional state at the time is an ADHD brain will probably resist it. But what you probably want is to find a slow class that is really focused on breathing, because that will give your brain the chance to reset and rest and just come into the moment instead of, you know, the, the hot yoga, the super fast yeah. Video yeah. types. Yeah. They, they, they are what I did a lot of before. I can't do them anymore. Yeah. They stress me out now because I think it was, it was too much of that kind of fast paced stuff. It felt like what I needed, but actually it was the opposite of what I needed. And and there's there's a point that I'd like to mention here around our sensory or how sensitive we are like sensory is, is a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then there's the trends that are out there, like the hot yoga is a trend or this oh. other flow yoga is a trend. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like, sh-. and I'm one that I don't follow trends. I go mm-hmm. against and I go into my intuition and I trust what works for me. So hot yoga, I would not even want to step into that because I have a sensitivity to hot and cold. Yeah. And, and so I appreciate what you're saying because do what's right for you not what works for everybody else because again our uniqueness is so unique that we need to embrace that Mm. so I love what you're saying is seven years till you found the one that worked for you yeah yeah I'd also like to say as well because a lot of teachers don't do a relaxation at the end Mm. but my like professional and based on my personal experience of yoga classes that don't have a relaxation if you go to a class and they don't do relaxation at the end, I try another class because you absolutely need that time at the end to just lie down and allow your body to rest 
and your ADHD brain is going to hate it, but it is so good for you. And it doesn't matter if you can't stop your mind from thinking, you just need to give your body that time to rest, to lie completely flat on the floor and allow your muscles to relax because that's when you absorb the benefits of the classes. So I, I've been to some classes where there hasn't been a relaxation and I've come out more stressed. Sure. And I was before I went in because I haven't had that chance to allow my muscles to relax. And then because my muscles are tense, my mind is tense. So you've got to make sure that you get the relaxation in at the end. That is, that is I think, really important, probably especially for us because with the emotional, you know, if, you, if you've got any emotional issues, the emotional dysregulation that we have with ADHD, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be more sensitive to that mind-body tension thing Mm -hmm. that makes sense and and so to bring it all together there if anything from this conversation the the theme is regardless of whether you're on medication or not whether you're you know have your own coping mechanism the whole thing about adhd is is managing it as a whole and Mm -hmm. and managing yourself as a whole you know it's it's you know as 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 there's beautifully tells her story is, is not only the, you know, it was yoga, but then at, at some point recently, it's also the medication and all of that. So it's accepting it all. And you've got this beautiful, you know, brain that's just colorful and all over the place all the time. And at what some points you need to bring in the resources to kind of help you manage it. And because life, I mean, look, look at where we are today with, with all of this stuff. You know, it has its ups and downs, but you don't have to be stuck in one way of managing and coping. So I love your story, Esther, and thank you for sharing is, is the, it's a bit of a yoga, a bit of a medication. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other things that you do. I know you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the ADHD community as well. So there's connecting with others that, that you do to kind of manage it all. So thank you for, for this, you know, raw, but informative conversation around yoga and there is no right way there's no you know do what works for you but but all the benefits the sleep the breathing all of that I think we all can benefit is there anything that you know last parting thoughts on on yoga and ADHD that you want our listeners to to hear I think oh gosh there there are so many the main the I mean my main message is is always if you know at, at any time you're feeling like you're caught up in your head you're stressed come back to your breath because your breath is always there for you and if you are feeling that that state where you're feeling like you're stuck you can't or, or everything's racing too much and you may you know you, you get that time where you've got so much to do and you just can't sort of think clearly to decide to work out which thing to do next take three breaths just take three deep breaths mm. and just allow those breaths to just fill your lungs completely breathe out completely so you're really getting that release and feel Think about letting go. When you're breathing out, think about that release and letting go of of everything and just allow your body to rest because you benefit so much. Just three three breaths when you're in a state of overwhelm can just bring you back to yourself. And you've got that wherever you are. You, You don't need a mat for that. You don't need fancy, expensive 
trousers or tops. You can do that wherever you are and whatever is going on. You know, if you if you're with other people, you can always just take three breaths. You can wherever you whatever you're doing, you can always take three breaths and it will change everything. You know, it, it can be really dramatic change in, in state just from those three breaths. So, yeah, that's a real. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. And, and to the listeners, I challenge you to pause this podcast right now and just take three breaths and then come back to us. So thank you so much, Esther. I, I appreciate your time. I will include all the ways that you can connect with Esther on the show notes. And until next time, keep on shining.